Well, good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Excellent, excellent. It's great to be with you uh, this morning. I know we're all kind of like still like kind of a little bit slow, a little bit moving as the tryptophan kind of is moving through our system from the weekend. I know uh, some of us are a little bit down and stuff, but it's okay. We're not going to talk about yesterday. Um, well, hey, it's great to be with you uh, on this new day as we celebrate um, uh, the, the new stuff moving forward. Uh, it's good to be with you uh, as we uh, wrap up our Holy Spirit series. Uh, looking forward uh, just this next week too as we look forward to celebrating everything that God's been doing um, in our church, in our, uh, in our uh, church family over the last two years. Uh, but as we jump in this morning, I just want to let you guys know, I, I just as a as pastor, I've really enjoyed uh, the last few weeks as we've been digging into who the Holy Spirit is uh, and what the Holy Spirit means for you and I in our day-to-day uh, lives, our day-to-day faith. Uh, I've loved the conversations that I've been uh, being able to be a part of and overheard in the lobby and uh, questions and the texts I've gotten in emails um, and just stories I've heard from folks, whether it be from life groups or just uh, people getting together for coffee or food and the way that uh, we're just, we've all been kind of digging into asking these questions about who the Holy Spirit is and what he means uh, for each and every one of us. Uh, and as, as I've kind of been just kind of listening and kind of been a part of all of these conversations, uh, here's, <coughs> excuse me, here's what I've seen. And I think we can all uh, agree that when it comes to the Holy Spirit, Uh, In a room like this, in in a community like ours, uh, there are a lot of different experiences, right? There are a lot of different experiences. See, for some of us, uh, like in our context, you know, we might think that with with all these different churches and denominations holding all these different beliefs about the Holy Spirit, uh, it's easy for conversations about the Holy Spirit to become kind of like that junk drawer in your kitchen, Right, it's 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 the place for any sort of belief that doesn't kind of fit neatly into other areas of uh, of of your life. Uh, we just kind of put it in there, um, and then when a random odd job or something comes up, we don't really have quite exactly the right tool. The first place we're going to go look is kind of this drawer where everything that we don't have a place for ends up. We just kind of start rummaging through there, and like maybe there's something in there that can help us deal with what we're dealing with. Or maybe for some of us, it just seems like we live in this tension. Right on one side, we've we've either been to or we've heard stories about churches that uh, you know we don't want to be mean, but like a little bit crazy, um, right? You know, you think of maybe like Benny Hinn on stage slapping people with his sport coat, and uh, you like you see like his like w- what's up with that, right? That's kind of strange. That's different. Or on the other side, maybe we've been to we've heard about churches where uh, you just ignore the Holy Spirit. Right, it's the holy tunity, right? It's the Father and the Son, but we don't talk about ghosts or spirits in church. Right? We're stuck kind of in the middle of that trying to figure out, okay, what's actually going on here? Or perhaps uh, even more detrimental uh, for some of us, our, our views or experience with the Holy Spirit might best be described as this comfortable ignorance. Right? We know the Holy Spirit is a thing, um, but we 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 are perfectly comfortable just uh, keeping the Holy Spirit at arm's length. Right? We have enough trouble trying to figure out God the Father, God the Son. Like We don't need to throw uh, another third thing in there to confuse the situation. So uh, you know, we'll just keep him where he is, adjacent, but not all too close. This is why uh, a couple weeks ago, if you were with us, when we kicked off our series, Rob leaned into this truth uh, that we talked about. That the Holy Spirit is, is a who, not a what. Right, when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about a person. 
And just like God the Father, just like Jesus the Son, uh, the Holy Spirit is a who. Uh, And when we begin to understand that, we see as a who, a person can be known. And actually, when we lean into that, what we quickly learn is not only can the Holy Spirit be known, but the Holy Spirit actually wants to be known. He desires to be known by us. Last Sunday, we took, we took another step along that journey. We leaned in a little bit more to this conversation. And, and Rob shared with us this idea that as we get to know the Spirit, we discover that the Spirit is actually leading us somewhere. He's actually leading us to someone. The Holy Spirit is God dwelling within us, pointing us to Jesus. We saw the Holy Spirit uh, is actually leading us. He's directing us toward Jesus. He's reminding us of what Jesus said, reminding us of what Jesus has done for us. And he's reproducing Jesus' character within each and every person who claims Jesus as Lord. So today, uh, we're going to look at a third aspect of the Holy Spirit's character. Uh, And to do that, we're going to look at one of the most famous passages in all of Scripture. I guarantee, even if you have uh, just a a little to no experience with the church or the Bible, you've heard some version of what we're going to look at today. Uh, For example, uh, how many of us have heard at some point in our our lives, uh, have heard this one, right? There is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus, right? We've all heard that before. Or how about this one? We know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. Like, yeah, like, okay, like, we're all about that. Absolutely. Or how about this third one? Right? I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Right? Great foundational truths that we can all, that we all like. Yes, we we hear that. We're on board. Uh, There's nothing new or exciting in that, John. You're telling us what we already know. And I get that. Okay. Right? You, but you've seen all of these all over the place. They're on billboards, painted on barn doors, random social media posts, bumper stickers, coffee mugs, tattoos on faces and elbows. Anything that human beings can put text onto, we figured out a way to adorn with these words. Right? They're all actually from a, a, a chapter in the middle of the book of Romans. These are all from Romans chapter 8. Now, Romans 8 is famous for a, a very good reason, right? It's, a, it's, it's had a breathtaking impact, not just on the church, uh, but on, hu- on human history. It's not a stretch to say that the, these handful of verses have altered the course of human history. You can draw a straight line from the way that people have understood and interacted with these verses uh, through many of the major turning points in Western civilization. And in our tradition, in our religious heritage, we've, we've memorized the big hitters, right, from this passage. We've memorized uh, the big hitters from Romans 8, uh, or at least we're familiar enough uh, with them to be able to recognize them. But the way we learn this particular passage, uh, the way we do so, it, it often brings, uh, it, we do so without bringing the rest of the context with it. And so you can see the issue with that kind of approach uh, and that way, uh, that use of Scripture because as this process takes place, Scripture ceases uh, to be this, uh, this body of work that can instruct and guide us uh, and it begins to look a little bit more like this. It's a sticker book. Uh, and to demonstrate actually the, the kind of the impact that this kind of, this way of looking at Scripture can have on us, on our faith. I've actually uh, asked a friend to join me up here, so I'm going to invite my friend Mike uh, up here uh, to give me a hand with this. 
That's everybody say hi to Mike. And I didn't just invite him here because we have excellent beards and to see what I hope to one day become. Um, but, you know, so let's say Mike and, I, Mike and I are friends. Obviously, we do what friends do. We talk, we chat. And let's say we're chatting, uh, right, and uh, we're, we're sharing, we're talking about stuff and all the kind of good stuff. And then all of a sudden, Mike realizes, like, oh, hey, uh, John, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I saw that you put your lunch in the fridge outside, and I just decided to eat it this morning. Oh, sorry. That's okay. You know what? Uh, there's no condemnation in Christ. Perfect. Uh, well, let's, uh, let's say, oh, Mike, well, wait, no, 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 quite, quite, quite yet, quite yet. Um, so let's say we keep talking, and then all of a sudden Mike is sharing with me, oh, hey, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really kind of discouraged. I was really hoping that Ohio State would pull it out. He said, hey, you know what, it's okay. You know what, God works uh, all things uh, for the good of those who love him. Right? Oh, but let's say we keep, uh, we keep chatting and whatnot and everything, and all of a sudden and, and Mike is sharing, like, hey, man, you know, I've really got, like, I just bought this new fridge, and I, I just, I've got these doubts that, you know, like, it just, it wasn't the right thing for me. Hey, you know what, doubts, that's okay. You know what, uh, nothing can separate us uh, from the love of Jesus. Now, now, Mike, are you more encouraged or confident, or are you more confused, really, about what's, yeah, pretty confused, exactly. <laughs> Hey, everybody say thanks. Thanks to Mike. He did a, a great job. Yeah, Mike, you go ahead and keep those stickers there, buddy. That's, uh, that's my gift to you this morning. Right. But as you see, even as I, was, as I was doing that, as we key in on the, we, it kind of becomes this way, where we just key in on these buzzwords. Right? We're, we're looking for ways that we can just like, hey, like I've heard this in your story. I know this. And so maybe if I can just stick these together, things will work out. But that doesn't actually get us to where we want to. It doesn't actually help us enter into the story of, of the people around us. What it actually does is it just leads to confusion. And leads to, to like, yeah, like we might have a way to say some things in certain situations. But, but there's no confidence in, what's, in what God is doing and what God is trying to do in us and through us. Yes, Romans 8, what we're looking at today, is one of the most profoundly compelling passages in all of Scripture, more than we may even realize. Because all the time you've encountered these verses, how many times were you taught to view them within the context of the Holy Spirit's presence and work? Right, see, it turns out Romans 8 is all about helping us to understand uh, the Holy Spirit as uh, the, the, the word we use is our intercessor. The Holy Spirit as our intercessor. I understand uh, intercessor is a big word. It's a strange word. It's kind of this old word that we don't really use much anymore. It sounds super formal and almost religious-y. Uh, so to help us just kind of understand a little bit more about what is happening, when we, when we say the Holy Spirit is our intercessor, uh, what is an intercessor? Well, simply put, an intercessor is a person who intervenes on behalf of another um, or a mediator. Right? It's a person. Right, so going back to where we were before, we said before, a person can be known. A person wants to be known. Right here in the heart of the book of Romans, uh, the Apostle Paul does this masterful job uh, of helping us understand how central the Holy Spirit is to the life of faith and the hope that we cling to. So Paul spends the first part of Romans uh, unpacking the history of this relationship between God and humanity. How from the outset there was this contentiousness toward God. Humanity saw what God had done and decided we could do it better. 
right? And, and, and we, in doing so, we made this royal mess of not only ourselves, but the entire world in the process. But God promised to save humanity from its blunder. And how the, the whole story of the Jewish faith, uh, from God's first covenant to Abraham, uh, people have been waiting and looking forward to the day that God would eventually do for humanity uh, and, and the world what he promised to do, that he would eventually save everyone. But then God did something very unexpected. See, instead of waiting to the end of the story, the final, the final climax of, of good over evil, right? Instead of waiting to that final moment, God actually stepped right into the middle of the story. See, in Jesus, uh, not only that, but when, when Jesus walked out of the tomb, this new world came with him. Right, and on the, the final victory uh, of God's goodness, uh, of God's life and love, uh, that began to invade and take over the world right in the middle of everything that was already happening. And so uh, we get to then Romans 8, and Paul begins uh, to make some conclusions about this new world, about what it looks like to live in relationship to God in this new world made available to us through Jesus. And he begins with this extraordinary conclusion, Romans 8, verse 1. So there, now there is no condemnation for those who belong to Christ Jesus. Right, for those of us who belong to Jesus, the forces of evil and sin are begging to be undone. And so no, they no longer hold any power over the life of the believer. And now, look at the possibilities and the potential that that, is, that makes available to us. He's, he continues in verse 2. Because you belong to him, the power of the life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. The law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies that we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving us his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So to flourish in God's new world means that we now live in harmony with God and his purposes, right? But there was this barrier. Uh, elsewhere in Ephesians, Paul talks about this barrier as this dividing line, this wall of hostility. And God didn't demand that we fix the problem. No, instead, he took the problem on himself. Jesus took the problem of sin into himself on the cross and removed it completely. Verse 4 uh, in Romans 8. He did this, God did this, so that the just requirement of the law would be, fulfilled, would be fully satisfied for who? Not for him, for us. Who no longer follow our sinful nature, but instead follow the Spirit. Through Jesus' death on the cross, the justice of God becomes this wrecking ball that utterly destroys the power of sin and death. And what's more, not only did God remove the barrier between us, but he actually begins to bring us together with himself through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's what, that's what Paul's talking about if you, just, if you uh, fast forward a few verses to verse 9. He says, but you, us, the believers, you are not controlled by your sinful nature. You are controlled by the Spirit if you have the Spirit of God living in you. 
See, in the old world, Paul says that you and I were controlled by this desire, this drive to satisfy our desires, our wants, our, uh, to do things for our benefit at the expense of others. But now, in God's new world, we have God's own spirit. When we say yes to Jesus, when we embrace his forgiveness and we induct him as Lord of our lives, the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. I know the pushback is, uh, but John, I, 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 just, I don't feel like that's the case. It doesn't feel like it's true. Well, the good news for you this morning is that the Holy Spirit through Scripture tells us that that is true. You know, in Acts 2, it says that. Here in Romans 8, it says that. 1 Corinthians 2, again in 1 Corinthians 6, Galatians 5, Ephesians 5, 1 Timothy, and 1 John. It's all over the New Testament. He's there. He is in you. And he's calling you to discover all the places in your life that he may be hiding. Patiently waiting, working, and shaping you into the image of the Son. And if that wasn't enough, right back to Romans 8, uh, there's more that Paul wants us to understand about how the Spirit works in us. In verse 15, he says it this way, So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's Spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his Spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. As you step into God's new world, as you follow the leading of the Holy Spirit, you discover that you are not just simple residents of this kingdom, you are children of the king. Royalty co-heirs with Jesus. So when we think and we try to wrap our minds around our under, this understanding of the Holy Spirit as our intercessor, we see that this works in two directions. First, we see the Holy Spirit intervenes with us on God's behalf. The Holy Spirit comes to us and advocates for God and for God's purposes. Uh, we see that God is not just some distant, dispassionate uh, deity hidden from our world and our problems. No, God is Abba, Father. You know, about a half hour ago, if you were in uh, the lobby, you would have seen this, this, little, uh, this little toddler in this little, not so, well, not so quiet most of the time, this little voice that just, just said, Dad, she came in in her giant pink coat this morning. But that little voice, right? The thing is, it doesn't matter how loud she says it, like it, it just pierces through any crowd, right? And as soon as I hear that, like she has my attention, right? It doesn't matter who I'm talking with, what we're talking about. I start looking around, I'm trying to find the source of that voice. And as our intercessor on God's behalf, what the Holy Spirit says to you and I is, this is how your heavenly father thinks of you. As Paul continues, uh, we see the second direction of this intercessor. And he starts to unpack this uh, in, in uh, verse 26. He says, and the Holy Spirit helps us uh, in our weakness. For example, we do not know what God wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings that cannot be expressed in words. Right now, this is a, a big passage. It's kind of confusing in terms of what's all going on here. Uh, so let's just think about it this way. 
You know, at this point in her life, uh, Naomi cannot possibly understand how committed uh, Janice and I are uh, to her future and her success, her flourishing uh, as as a as a human being, as a, as as a woman, as as, a, as everything. Her faith, uh, she can't possibly understand that. See, in our home, we have this we have this smart TV, right? Uh, and after a few minutes, this big old TV just becomes a big old picture frame, right? It starts to, to it pulls up all of our cloud pictures, and it starts to, to cycle through all the pictures we've taken as a family. And as you might imagine, Naomi is featured prominently. Right, and there are nights uh, after Naomi goes to bed uh, where Janice and I will just sit on the couch as these pictures pop up, and they start cycling through, and we'll just kind of, uh, we'll just admire We'll admire kind of the life we've had with her so far, how she's grown. And we'll, we'll talk about things of like, like, like who's she going to become? What kind of person is she going to become? Uh, who's she going to be as she grows up? Uh, like she's a, uh, she goes to school, she becomes a teenager, as terrifying as that may be. Uh, and here's the thing. If Naomi were present for that conversation between her mother and I, she would have no idea what's going on. Right? It would all just be gibberish to her. But Paul here is trying to help us see that that same kind of conversation is happening between the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit about us, his church. The Father who knows all hearts, knows what the Spirit is saying, uh, for the Spirit pleads for us believers in harmony with God's own will in ways and in spaces that you and I cannot presently understand God is speaking about us in fact uh, some of you depending on what translation of the Bible you're looking at uh, they they might translate this word at the end here of verse 27 and they say it this way it says uh, our word for today says for the spirit intercedes for us right in the heart of God God is always speaking about us, the church, believers. He's speaking in love. He's speaking in joy. He's speaking in ways that help you and I become a part of the way he is at work in our world. See, a few years after he wrote this, uh, the Apostle Paul also wrote another letter to a young church uh, in the city, or excuse me, a few years before Romans, not after, before Romans, uh, Paul wrote uh, another letter to the, to the Christians in the city of Corinth. And this letter is all about how the Holy Spirit guides every aspect of our faith. Uh, we know this letter now is the book of 1 Corinthians. And so uh, Paul actually unpacks a little bit of this idea of the intercessor in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. He says it this way in verse 10, but it It was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything and shows us God's deep secrets. No one knows, no one can know a person's thought except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit, not just the world's spirit, so that we can know the wonderful things God has freely given us. When we think about the Holy Spirit as our intercessor, the second direction we see the Holy Spirit move is is this way, that God intervenes with God on our behalf. 
the Holy Spirit moves toward God on our behalf. The Holy Spirit comes to us and advocates on God's behalf, and the Holy Spirit goes to God to advocate on our behalf. And it's because of this constant movement, this constant presence between us and God uh, in both spaces that Paul can then conclude in Romans 8.28. Right? We know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. Right? It turns out Paul's not thinking about the house that I want to buy or the car I want to drive. He wasn't thinking about the outcome of a certain election or how the day-to-day aspects of our lives would unfold. What he is saying here is that because the Holy Spirit is constantly advocating between God and the church, because the Holy Spirit is always at work in the lives of the people committed to Jesus, God's desires and dreams for our world will eventually be realized. In partnership with God's people. And just like Corinthians, in Corinthians, here in Romans, uh, what we know as Romans is, is also, it's a letter that Paul wrote uh, to early Christians in the city of Rome. And Romans, like we said, are, are, is one of Paul's later letters. Uh, the best information we have uh, indicates that it's lit, written in the mid to late 50s, right, between 55 and 57 AD. Uh, and why does that matter for what we're talking about this morning? Well, This is about 15 to 20 years after Paul began his ministry. And so for 15 to 20 years, Paul has been reflecting on his faith journey. Right For 15 to 20 years, he's been working out all of the implications of what God has accomplished through the death and resurrection of Jesus and now what God is doing through the outpouring of the Spirit. And now here in Romans, preserved for us, we see Paul's big conclusion. Right, that when he thinks about the faithfulness of God throughout history, uh, and leading up to the establishment of the church, and when, we, when he thinks about how this new world that's launched uh, by the resurrected and reigning Jesus, when Paul considers the fact that God's very spirit is now present and living in the heart of every believer, all this leads him to this conclusion that he says in, in verse 31, what shall we say about such wonderful things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Can you feel the weight and the majesty of those words now? I see Paul's summary here goes something like this. Humanity wrecked the world. God promised to turn things around. He started with a family that grew into this whole nation of people. And even though they were just as faithless and defiant as any other group of people, God never abandoned them. Uh, He saw them through countless crises and failures. He brought them back time and time again. uh, And he continued to bless and provide for them. What's more, this same God then became one of those people uh, and lived the faithful life they were supposed to live. But instead of being celebrated or honored for that life, he was killed. And more than that, this man, Jesus, actually somehow saw his death as, as this offering that Jesus gave up his life for the very people who killed him. That's to say us. He gave up his life for us. Right? But then it didn't just end there because God raised him from the dead by the power of the Holy Spirit. And now God has given that same spirit to anyone and everyone who would commit their lives to Jesus. And it's through these spirit-filled, spirit-powered people that God is bringing his goodness, his life, his kingdom to bear before our very eyes. 
And it's because of that story. It's because we as believers find ourselves caught up in the middle of this grand story of God's glory and redemption that Paul says in Romans 8, 38, I am convinced then that nothing can separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears of today or our worries about tomorrow, not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. The Holy Spirit, as our intercessor, binds us to God and to God's purposes. And this is a gift. This is the gift that Jesus spoke so highly of in John. You know, we read the last couple weeks that Jesus said it was better for him to go. It was better for him to leave than to stay. Because without him going, without the Holy Spirit coming, uh, we would not be able to join him uh, in this new life. Because he, he, he would go, God would send someone else, this paraclete, this advocate, comforter, this guide, our intercessor. And the goal of this, the goal, notice, in all of Romans 8, uh, we've not heard a single word about this, this connecting uh, to heaven. Right? This is not about getting to heaven. That's certainly part of the package. God's going to take care of that. But the goal here is not heaven. The goal is new life in Christ. Certainly heaven is included in this arrangement, but it's easy for us to become like, oh, hey, this, is just, this, this has nothing to do with our world here. This is about the next world. And, and Paul says, absolutely not. See, one of Paul's biggest contentions with Jewish leaders of his day was that they could not fathom the idea of God actually doing something in the present, what he would eventually do at the end of all things. They thought eventually God will send the Messiah, and that will be the end of it. God will, God will then raise all of the faithful people who have ever lived across history, and they would just go to heaven together with him uh, at, at, the, at the end of time. But for Christians, see, we've inherited, we sometimes let that same kind of belief slip in uh, to our lives. A belief that if you boil it down, says that Jesus just saves us for what's next. That what happens between now and then doesn't really matter. What, what matters is that one day God will take care of everything. And while that's true, that's 100% true, see, for Paul, nothing could be farther from the truth. Right? The Holy Spirit is given to us not just to secure our eternal destiny. Yes, God is taking care of that. But you and I have been given direct access to the Spirit of God so that we Right here, right now, in Huber, Vandalia, Fairborn, Dayton, beyond, wherever we may find ourselves, we've been given the Spirit of God so that those places could begin to look a little bit more like heaven. See, the Holy Spirit lives within each of us. And every one of us who has claimed Jesus as our Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit, God, who longs to know you and be known by you. Uh, And as you and I learn to walk uh, more in step with him, we discover that we become more like Jesus and that our world becomes more like heaven. And that is what the New Testament talks about when it talks about new life in Christ, all things being made new. And that is done through our participation with God and the Holy Spirit, this intercessor moving between us and God. 
So my prayer this morning uh, is that if you've never had a moment in your life where you could, you could say that, hey, I, I want to be on board with what God is doing, in my life, in the life of my family, in my community, I pray that you would have a conversation with somebody this morning, that you would unpack what it means to follow Jesus, to submit yourself to Jesus, that you would receive the gift of the Spirit. There's no price tag on it. You don't have to pay anything today. It's already been paid for you. And our job is then to, to learn what it means to walk with him, to take a step, to live day by day in step with him as he works to make our world new. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to have an opportunity to respond to that God one more time uh, in worship. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for today. God, we thank you for this opportunity that we have uh, to be together uh, as your people, as the people of God, uh, as your church. God, we thank you for the way that your spirit has knit this community together, has provided for this community, has saved uh, this community. God, we pray uh, that that you would show us how to be open uh, to you, how to open ourselves uh, to your spirit, to to your guiding and your uh, leading. Would you show us what it means to walk in step with you? God, at the end of the day, Our prayer is simple. We want to know you and be known by you. We love you, God. We trust you. We pray all this in the name of your Son and our Savior. Amen.